0: Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a submarine trapped in a force field, it's Doctor Who, Pachock. Podshock. The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who, Podshock, episode 322. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this episode are two familiar voices that you've heard during our live shows, but now they're here in a studio format. So first up, uh, well, we usually I, I first first should say that Dave will be back. He's not on this show, so usually I start across the pond with Dave. But um, now there's no pond to go across in this episode because we're all stateside here. So, uh, um, for the lack of any, um, any other order, I'll go alphabetically. First up is Kyle Jones. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the show. And it's good to have you hosting with us.
1: Good evening and glad to be here. Glad to be back.
0: Well, Kyle was uh, with us for the most part. And now, last series of live shows reviewing. Um, the the first series of the 12th doctor peter capaldi so uh i think he missed maybe one episode and then another one which he was on but then he had to run and um because we had him on hold for too long so but he he was there for the most part and um and and joining him for uh for many of those shows was uh i don't know if you if it was lee Shackelford, but i don't know if you want me to if you want me to say it was professor Kernotis.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it if you didn't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so hi guys. Yeah, yeah. Professor Krunotes in the forums, but yeah.
0: Well, um, I'm glad to, to have you with us, and uh, I'm glad to have you both with us, both with me and um, with the show. Uh, thanks for having us on.
1: Absolutely. I think I speak for Lee when we're saying when we both say we're glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to have you both here, and I'm also glad to say that. I'm not talking to you buried under 30 inches of snow, as was originally (laughs) predicted. So we are recording this at the end of January, (laughs) on the 28th, to be exact. So just yesterday, we had this blizzard of 2015, which originally they were predicting for my area, 20 to 30 inches with snow drifts up to five feet. Um, You know, your regular hot atmosphere uh, for the... (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it turned out to be, uh, the storm had shifted off east, so it turned out to be um, less than that. We had got, gotten about 14 to 17 inches, but the wind was blowing it all around. So um, in some areas it was a lot less, in other areas it was more. So give or take. It wasn't too bad. I mean, it was still a mess to clean out, but it it could have been a lot worse.
2: Yeah. So. You, you've had your fill of precipitation for the foreseeable yes, future. Yeah, of things, I think.
0: So. <laughs> I really, um, when it, you know, I was worried about the power because they were warning, you know, because of the power lines. It was, it was with a blizzard; it's a lot of wind, and they were saying that uh, it could get so windy that it could be uh, hurricane force winds, and and with the weight of the snow and on on trees coming down, and uh, after Sandy being, you know, without power for weeks. It's just something that uh, you just want to make sure yeah. the power is there because uh, without power you don't have heat. It's it's everything so much connected to it. And, and at that time, well, I'm not going to get into. Um, I I shouldn't you know Lee has some experience with mother, with Mother Nature as well. Unfortunately, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, you you've had um, so. some participate some um <laughs> not precip, a precip- a precipitation of uh your, of your own to deal with.
2: Yeah, so we're we're just both glad we're not getting, being flooded right now. Yes, yes. exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, my my feet are dry, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're here. We're going to be reviewing a um, a classic story, the Sea Devils, in this episode. But before that, we got some news to cover. Uh, but it's, it was really nice to um, sink our teeth into a John Pertwee story, the Third Doctor, once again. And uh, that's what we're going to be reviewing. But uh, before we go any further, let's uh, let's hit some news with some... <laughs> I thought I heard you hitting some news there. So uh, let's... let's.
2: <laughs> My noisy keyboard. Yeah, it does sound like you're your teletype. Well, thing.
0: I was just about to do that, yeah. and I said, oh, well, he's, <laughs> yes. doing, he's doing it for real. I was just about to do this. There it is. <laughs> we are fortunate to have two fan-produced Star Trek... Series on uh, picking up where the original series of Star Trek left off, um, you know, back in 1969. They have come, um, both there are two Star Trek Continues and Star Trek Phase Two, or sometimes, um, I think it's Star Trek New Voyages, I think they are also known as. Uh, both of them have, um, set the, you know, they're, they're doing their own episodes, it's it's all um fan driven, but it's professionally done with, um, they, uh, they, they've done these incredible sets and they're shooting it just as if it was, you know, back then and continuing the, because Star Trek originally only had three, se- three seasons or series, depending on your point of view, as far as, um, UK and, and we call them seasons here. So three years. So it was a five-year mission. So they're kind of filling in those unseen episodes with new stories and, um, uh, so one of them is Star Trek Continues, which I think they do an excellent job with. And um, so they did three episodes so far, I believe. It takes a, um, a while to do because they have to raise funds to do it and um, shoot it, and you know everyone else's, everyone that's involved with it are also doing other jobs and other, you know. So it's 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 miraculous that they can do it at all. But they, if you haven't you haven't seen it yet, check, you know, Google Star Trek Continues, go to their site and check out. Um, um, some of their episodes. They're also available on YouTube and um, Vimeo and um, other video sources. But, um, but what I'm getting at the, the latest episode that they're working on now, which is episode four, uh, I'm not sure if it has a title yet, uh, but the point is uh, Colin Baker, the the Sixth Doctor, is um, guest starring in it.
2: But, th- call. but not, we presume, as the Sixth Doctor.
0: No, no. They Obviously, they're, they're playing up the you know Doctor Who meets Star Trek. You know, as far as the publicity yeah. goes, but um, Colin Baker sporting this little goatee beard, which uh, is reminiscent of of uh, the the alternate the the Mirror Mirror universe of Spock. So it ah. makes it makes me think that he's uh, playing a um, a heavy, but we don't <laughs> I don't know that for sure. Oh, I would love that. I'd
2: uh, Love to see him as the bad guy in a uh, Star Trek. Continues that would be.
0: Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So it's um first of, the first of the two Star Trek Continues episodes should premiere in April of May at a sci-fi convention. I'm just reading <clears throat> up on um on when we might expect to see this. So, but I think they're shooting it right now. So there's something to look forward to. I think they uh, it, it's great having two options of um you know venues out there continuing the original um, Star Trek, you know, series. I obviously, for those that have, aren't familiar with them, they, they, um, it's recast. So it's uh, none of the, well, I should say none of the original actors are there playing their original roles, but well, some, some of the guest stars have, um,
2: yes. Yeah. Michael Forrest as Apollo. Yeah. And, um, and James Doohan's son is Blake Scotty, and
0: yeah. uh, wow, cool!
2: Of course, his Jimmy Doohan impression is Chris Doohan. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Yeah, Chris Doohan. That's right.
1: Now, yeah. isn't this year also their fiftieth anniversary?
0: It's um, uh, twenty sixteen. You know,
1: it's, uh, it's yeah, for, yeah. oh, 2016. twenty sixteen. Twenty
0: sixteen. As far true. as the um, when they when it premiered on yeah, television. It, it's, it's the fifth when they started shooting was actually last November was the fiftieth mm-hmm. anniversary of when they started shooting because they started um, they had two pilots that they shot Why? before the series began so yes. they actually began production in um, November of 1964 and that's mm-hmm. uh, so we just passed the fiftieth anniversary of when they began you know shooting Star Trek it was like right around Thanksgiving it was I think they started shooting. Um, it might have been a couple days after Thanksgiving back in 1964. Oh, cool. But, but most likely the Monday after Thanksgiving.
2: So yeah, I've, very soon here I'm going to be a fan of two franchises that are more than 50 years old. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I've, well, I've, I've come to accept that. I've, it seems like every show that I'm, I'm a fan of, they, there's at least one or more cast member that have that has passed on so um it's just right. kind of <laughs> that, to, that you've outlived right? Yes. okay <laughs> yeah, well exactly
1: well i read comic books so when you look at comparing superman <laughs> batman wonder woman with uh 50 years they're you know <laughs> well over 50 that's yeah, true yeah. yeah
0: well speaking of uh continuing series uh doctor who will continue the next series is uh is, is uh set to shoot and there's rumors that it's going to be shooting in Spain. They're returning to Spain once again. Uh, nah. I, I say rumors only because it's not anything officially announced, but the director of photography um, Ali Saad Asad, if I'm pronouncing his uh, surname correctly had tweeted um, something to the uh, going to Spain on location um, Risi for the doctor so we can read into that that um, that they're shooting in Spain once again, which I'm all for. I'm all I'm all for location yeah. shooting.
2: I, so was the last one? Last time they were in Spain was that the the two doctors?
0: They were they they were there for the two doctors. I think they were there. One other time since then, um, at least.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
2: Yeah, and I can't think what it is, but yeah, uh, I would love to see them refer to two doctors in some way, though. A,
0: a town called Mercy was, um, I think, was might have been shot in Spain.
2: Really? Yeah, I understand it's a—it's just a—you a, know—the ideal country to shoot any kind of movie in because they have every conceivable. Uh, bio <laughs> you know every every conceivable climate
1: well where is it is it vancouver in canada that a lot of american yes uh, right
2: now yeah yeah. middle america is now in vancouver that's right right yeah,
0: yeah so the, in in um in a town called mercy the the, the whole standing in for western us was yeah. um alameria spain um,
2: huh. sure looked like the
0: american southwest sure definitely So in in other news, um, Russell G. Davies has uh, mentioned that he would uh, be interested in doing a Doctor Who feature movie, which is um, shortly before this, earlier in the month, he had come out to say that that he's approached every year about coming back to do Doctor Who again, and um, he's always turned, you know, when I say doing Doctor Who again, I mean the TV series, and he's always turned it down. Um, right now, it was of interest because uh, there was a speculation of a 10th anniversary uh, show, you know, because the since the series came back in 2005, 20, 2005, now we're 2015, we're 10 years into the new series. But um, what he had said, which I sort of agree with, is that it's silly to have a 10th anniversary after the 50th. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, absolutely. if we're thinking of Except this as it. one whole series, then... <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean they, they could do but, something. I I think I said it in the last Doctor Who They could do something, uh, sort of a wink of an eye um, tribute to it. You know, something that's not over. You know, uh, you know something snuck in there or st- whatever. I don't know.
2: Only in a time travel, you know, show franchise could you have the 10th anniversary after the 50th anniversary. I mean, so if there's a show that could ever get away with doing that,
0: it's Doctor Who. And and have two 10th anniversary specials. That's right, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's confusing enough that they're renumbered the series, you know, starting with, you know, we have season one and series one and then season two and series two and sometimes it gets confusing on um, you know if someone's talking about you know you know series nine or is this uh, you know are we talking to John Pertwee or are we talking to Cheetah uh, right. Capaldi <laughs> so, uh, so anyway so now that the latest is that uh, he was speaking on BBC Radio 2 saying that that he would enjoy doing it, you know, bringing it to the cinemas. He, to quote, he said, I think it should be a, it should be in the cinemas immediately. It would be glorious. Um, Imagine queuing up in the cinema to go and see Doctor Who, to see a Doctor Who film, Um, you know, and and if he was to write it, he would say, yes, please, it would be great to get the, to get lawyers and contracts flying right now. You know, I would, I would do it because I think there's, there's a big leap to be made. Which, um, I've you know, what I've had said in the past as far as my feelings about a Doctor Who feature movie would be that if they do it in in a sense how they did with the X-Files, where it somehow fits into the existing series and it's not something, um, you know, on its own, where it, it somehow fits into whatever's going on. The, in other words, it should be the existing actor playing the Doctor, you know, not another... You know, not what they did with Peter Cushing. You know, where right. obviously it was completely right. off canon. But if if whoever was the current Doctor would play the play the role in a feature film, and it would somehow make sense within the TV series, you know, it's not like where all of a sudden he would have a different Tardis interior and something completely different than the t- you know it should be coherent with the with the with the current series.
1: And his name would not be
2: Doctor Who. Yes, yeah, so it wouldn't be. Literally, for example. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then the TARDIS wouldn't be a, a machine that he's invented.
0: Yeah. That happens to be called um, TARDIS and, and it looks like a police box for some reason. Right. Speaking of of continuation, as as it seems to be the theme of the un. un it's to me when we put the news together, it seems continuation seems to be the, the theme of the of the news segment here. So hmm. um, to uh continuing Doctor Who spin-offs, the most notably would be uh Torchwood, which hasn't seen any new production since um they, since they did a um a joint American adventure on um I'm trying to remember the the Network Stars.
1: Stars That's right, yeah. Which was miracle um, day.
0: Miracle day, yes, and uh, um which both I think um Dave and I had said at the time when we were reviewing it on um Hitchhiker's guide to British sci fi was that I, I think we both concluded that the major problem at Miracle Day was that it was two it was like ten episodes long, it probably could have been done in five, it just seemed to prolong this, and it was you know it was very dark and and dire and you know it was a long way to go for for that um subject matter so I, I you know i don't think it ever picked up any other steam you know momentum after that so um so now barman john Barrowman has come out, has um has been said to say that you know they're doing these radio plays they're going to be doing three or four radio plays and he's hoping that this will will inspire uh, the production team to bring it back as a television series.
2: Hmm. Well, uh, John Barrowman and Eve Miles are both guests at Gallifrey, uh, which is in two weeks, so I, I can't imagine that they're not going to get up on that stage with that giant collection of Doctor Who fans and leak something. I, I'm i sure they'll have some information to impart about what's new for Torchwood.
0: Yeah, he's... So. he's um working on a, um, which I haven't seen, a a show called Arrow.
1: Yes. Yeah, I've not seen him on it, and I think he's coming back to it, too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, to quote Barryman, he says, um, you know, I do do know that, he's a quote, I do know that we're working, that we're doing three to four radio plays for BBC for Torchwood. Uh, My sister and I are discussing the possibility of writing one of them, um, (laughs) and whether or not that leads to something on TV, um, but I'm full time with Aura right now. It's not a question of me not wanting to do it; it's a question of the BBC wanting to do it and others wanting to do Torchwood. I know the fans are out there, and I think it would be silly not to do not not to not to end quote. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I mean, I thought children. Right. Um, what was it? The, the 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 third series. Children of Earth. Children of yeah. Earth was very good. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. Um, If maybe they bring it back to the U.K. and and take it from there. I I mean, I don't know what Russell T. Davies' agenda. I know he's busy doing um, a new series himself right now, so, you know, who knows. But it would be good to see uh, Torchwood come back in some form or another.
2: I would love that.
0: So, well, we got the radio players to look forward to, so that's something. Yeah. All right. Well, going with the continuation theme, <laughs> continue, <laughs> continuing with birthdays, uh, Tom Baker had another one. <laughs> Tom Baker uh, just recently, I, as I said, we're, we're recording this on the 28th. So I think it was about a, a week or so. Maybe I think, it was, I think it's the 20th his birthday is. So he just, um, he just celebrated his 81st birthday. So happy birthday, Mr. Tom Baker. I think Lee.
1: Absolutely. Happy birthday. And many more. Absolutely. You were right. Born uh, January the 20th, 1934.
0: Yes. He shares his birthday with another famous doctor of sci fi, DeForest Kelly. Bringing this right to Star Trek, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he would have been 95, if I'm not mistaken, DeForest.
2: D. Kelly, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always like to say my favorite Doctor is the real McCoy. So people can puzzle, (laughs) do I mean D. Kelly or the the Seventh Doctor? (laughs) The answer, of course, is yes. (laughs) Both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't make me choose.
0: Well, you know, growing up, watching Star Trek had really spoiled me because now... You know, I, I want to go to a doctor and I just want him to like him or her to rave a salt shaker in front of me just to find out yes. what's wrong. And, you know, <laughs> what do you mean this <laughs> needle and, you know, right. X-rays. What is That's this? A... This is barbaric. Stone knives and, and baskets. So people. Exactly. <laughs> Can you just give me a, a pill and I'll grow a new kidney or something?
2: Right. Right. <laughs> but uh, we are getting close to a lot of those uh, things that were. So dazzling in the sick bay in the sixties yeah, yeah.
0: so yeah all right well um last but not least um continuing um with our coverage of um you know what's what's coming up with uh Doctor who news that that um toby whitehouse uh, Whithouse, if i'm not i'm not sure about its pronunciation of his surname is uh returning for a two parter um in the next series.
1: And I was reading up on that a little bit earlier, and it is, I believe, episodes three and four. So it's probably in the second block of shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's supposed to – it says, uh, according to Moffat, that it is one of of the scariest adventures yet. So there you go. Hmm.
2: Yes, but the first rule of Moffat is – Moffat lies. Yes. Right. So who knows? <laughs>
1: exactly. Maybe who does know?
2: <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, I enjoy everything that uh, Toby Whitehouse writes. Um, but, um, you know, a uh, school reunion is just so close to my heart that I, it's uh, it's hard to think of anything else. I'm, I'll just always be grateful to him for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... Um... Good story, though.
1: And you know yeah. what? I think for so many people, that particular story is what united classic with current because mm-hmm. it, it took it took Sarah Jane, it took that story to make it one cohesive unit. At least, I mean, it did for me.
2: That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's the ultimate bridger of gaps. Yeah. At the moment where Mickey realizes that he's basically serving the role that K nine serves, <laughs> <I'm> the, <laughs> and that it kid all kid comes kid. together. under <laughs> the ten dog. <laughs> it's all complete. They, he's got everything he needs.
0: Oh, something to look forward to then. Then, yeah, you know. I, yeah. I mean, as, as far as it being scary, I I always say you know, um, there's nothing wrong with it being scary, but it should just come out of good, you know, storytelling. Um, I you know, I, I don't think they should go out of their way to make it scary. I just think. It should just come out from, you know, from the story itself. You know, like we're going to be reviewing the sea devils and, you know, momentarily, you know, and you could argue saying, well, the, the sea devils themselves are scary. But I don't think they they, they set out to make it. I, I may maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think um, it just comes out to be, you know, comes out of good storytelling, I think.
2: Yeah, it's very good storytelling, I think. It's good
1: storytelling but on the on the flip side of that I didn't find them scary. I mean not you know not in the least. Uh you know it, it it could have been the fact that it the episodes were you know so old good for for their day but you know I personally didn't find them very scary.
0: Well, I it might be that that you, you know younger viewers might have at the time.
2: Good yeah. point. 72. Yeah, I wonder. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Or are we, yeah, we are. Can, can we, are. we talk about sea devils yet? Well,
0: <laughs> well, I think that wraps up things for the news, unless there's anything else that um, that surfaced recently that we should address.
1: Mm, no, I think the only thing that's surfacing would be, quote, unquote, some sea devils.
0: Uh, all right,
1: uh, so, sorry, I, I couldn't could, could, could resist <laughs> that one. <laughs>
0: All right, so we'll be right back with our review of the Sea Devils. So now you have a chance to get that DVD out or, or um, stream it and watch six episodes of the Sea Devils. Right. In the, <laughs> by the time in the space between now and, and when we come back,
2: exactly three hours <laughs> later. <laughs>
3: Hello, this is Katie Manning, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Or as I read it, Who shock
0: <laughs> Hey, so are you watching the Sea Devils right now during this break? Are you out watching the, the the DVD or streaming the video of the six parts of the Sea Devils so you're all set and prepared for our review? Well, you have another option, and that option is Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, including thrillers, business, romance, comedy, science fiction, and more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. For you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, well, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. And what, what are we going to recommend for this episode? Well, it's no surprise. The Sea Devils. Actually, Audible has two different offerings of the Sea Devils, Doctor Who and the Sea Devils for you. One is a dramatization from the television series. In other words, the audio from the television series is used to create an audio book with Katie Manning doing the narration. And another is a audiobook of the novelization by Malcolm Hulk narrated by Jeffrey Beavers, who uh, who at one time did play the master, though, you know, not not in this episode here. Unfortunately, we lost Roger Delgado, who played the master in this story. So uh, Jeffrey Beavers does the narration of the Malcolm Hulk novelization of the, of the book, uh, The Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. So uh, which one to recommend? Well, it depends on your taste. If you want to get that rich flavor of the actual audio from the television um, transmission, the, 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 the episode itself, uh, there's the dramas, dramatization version of it with uh like I said with Katie Manning doing the narration um or if you want to get a little bit more in depth um some of the stuff that you might not have seen on the television you know so, something that might not content that might not be in the episodes itself but going deeper into uh the novelization by Malcolm um Hulk who uh who who did this story uh you might want to go with that version. So here's a little taste of both. First, um, this is the dramatization from the television series. This is the audio from the the TV series uh, episodes with Katie Manning doing um, the narration. Then after that, we'll have we'll have the Jeffrey Beavers narrating the Malkin Hawk uh, novelization audio book of Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. And um, you you can decide <laughs> which one, or you could choose whatever you want. Here's a little sample of off.
3: In the early hours of the morning, a panicked radio operator staggers into the communications cabin of his stricken ship.
4: Mayday. Mayday. It says we're being attacked.
3: The mayday is received at a small naval base off the south coast of England. Give your position, please. Give your position. Leading telegraphist Bowman looks up as a bleary-eyed Captain Hart enters the room.
5: What is it? It's a mayday sir. SS and Castle say so they're being attacked.
3: We're abandoning ship. We're abandoning ship. Our position is... A shadow falls across the desk and a scaly hand grasps the radio operator's microphone. <laughs> The doctor and his assistant, Joe Grant, are aboard a little wooden fishing boat bobbing uneasily out to sea. The vessel's owner, Robbins, sits cheerfully at the tiller. That's it over there. Robbins points to a grim-looking chateau perched overlooking the coastline of a small island. He passes the doctor a pair of binoculars.
5: There you are, Joe. It's the master's permanent residence from now on.
3: Let's hope he's still there. The boat pulls alongside a little jetty, and the doctor jumps out with the mooring rope. Okay. Leaving the boat in the care of its owner, Joe and the doctor walk along the quayside to where a car is waiting for them.
6: I'll be back in a couple of hours to take you over to the mainland. Right.
3: The vehicle is a strange doorless affair driven by a cheerless guard clad in black cape and beret. With his passengers aboard, the guard sets off on the short journey to the Chateau.
0: So that was Katie Manning doing the Doctor Who and the Sea Devils of the dramatization with the audio from the actual television episodes. And now this is... um. Doctor Who and the Sea Devils, uh, the Malcolm Hulk uh, novelization, audiobook narrated by Jeffrey Beavers.
4: pulled his way along a handrail until he came across some of the engine room crew. They were desperately trying to lower one of the lifeboats. Where's Jock? he called, yelling above the noise of the crashing waves. Where's the Jamaican? One of the engine room men, nicknamed the Scouse, yelled back to Mason, They're dead. They're both dead. Mason could not believe the men were dead. Only two hours ago, before he turned in for the night, he had been drinking cocoa with the Jamaican. The Jamaican, who really came from Trinidad and had never been to Jamaica in his life, had shown Mason a letter from his mother who lived in a town called St. James. It's carnival next month, said the Jamaican. And she wants her best-looking son back home for Carnival, and that's me. He had saved his airfare and was booked on a flight from London Airport three days after the SS Pevensey Castle got into the Port of London, where she was bound. And now the Jamaican, and Jock, and goodness knew how many others, were all dead. Mason struggled over to help the men from the engine room lower the lifeboat, He had the greatest respect for engineers when they were in the engine rooms, but he was not impressed with their upper-deck seamanship.
1: Steady there,
4: he shouted, and took one of the winches himself. There were four men on the winches, and five men huddled in the boat. Under Mason's guidance, the lifeboat was evenly lowered into the boiling sea. The captain's voice again boomed out over the loudspeakers. Mason wondered whether the captain intended to stay on his bridge, giving out the order to abandon ship until there was no ship left to abandon. Traditionally, a ship's captain was supposed to be the last man on board if the ship was sinking, and some captains have been known to stay on the bridge beyond the margin of safety and to die as a result. Mason hoped his captain would be sensible and get into one of the lifeboats while there was still a chance. Gauss called into Mason's ear, "'She's hit water!' Mason looked down. The lifeboat was now riding on the sea, and the men down there were letting loose the davit ropes. He cupped his hands to his mouth and called down to them, "'Get rowing! Pull away! Pull away!' But the men in the lifeboat did not need to be told. They all knew that when a big ship finally sinks, she will drag with her any small craft standing close by.' They had their oars out, and they were rowing frantically. Then the smoke started to rise from their little boat. Mason stared in horror as thick black smoke burst from the
0: woodwork by the men's feet. Within moments, the whole bottom... So, once again, you could pick either one of those as your free audiobook selection, or you could choose whatever you like that they have to offer. Uh, It doesn't even have to be science fiction. Uh, It doesn't have to be Doctor Who. It could be whatever you like. Uh, as your free audiobook, and you can go that route as well. You know, you're not. We're, obviously, you're. We're assuming you're Doctor Who fans, so we're assuming. Um, you know, we're, we're suggesting Doctor Who titles, but you're not limited to that. And uh, once again, to uh, get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrialcom pachog Again, that's audibletrialcom pachog for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or You just can't get to that URL or you can't remember it. Uh have no fear. Go to our website, potchock.net, and you'll find links to the offer there as well. And now let's get back to our review of Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. Well, not getting back to it, we're gonna start it. All right, we're back with Doctor Who Pachak and uh, as um, you know, just to remind everyone, with me joining me on this episode is Kyle Jones and Lee Shackleford. Both Kyle and Lee, first time doing the show, studio show. They've done live shows before. They've um, expressed their feedback on um, certain reviews of new episodes of Doctor Who. So now we're sticking our teeth into uh, something from what more. more than thirty years. It's uh, almost uh, almost forty years. Forty-three.
2: Right. 40. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And we're speaking of the Sea Devils, which is a John Pertwee story, and it went out in um, fe- between February and April, of nineteen seventy-two.
5: as permanent residence from now on
3: let's hope he's still there
6: In a couple of hours to take you over to the mainland.
5: Right. Yes.
7: The main gate. Two visitors for the prisoner, sir, from Unit. Pass is
5: all in order, sir. Right. Send them up. I suppose we could always come back later. Oh, yes, of course. You'll be the chappy from Unit.
3: My name's Josephine Grant. How do you do? And this is the doctor.
5: Colonel Trenchard, delighted to meet you. Pleasant trip? Yes, thank you. You are uh, late, you know?
3: Yes, we were held up.
5: Hmm. Thought you might have sunk without trace. Sunk? Happens all the time, isn't it? What does? Ships vanishing. Makes you think, doesn't it? It does indeed. Now then, passes well look we've been through all that we we? don't take any chances here let's see them Oh, ah yes from unit that's right yes ah jolly good well you'll be wanting to see the prisoner that was the general idea he's an interesting chap you know you'll enjoy talking to him if ever I get the opportunity has he given you any trouble is he not a bit
3: You've got to be joking. He must have tried to escape.
5: You've seen our security precautions. Anyway, we're on an island.
0: Obviously, it's as I said, it's a John Pertwee story, Third Doctor, also co-stars Katie Manning as Joe Grant, his companion. And it's uh, directed by Michael E. Bryant, who's uh, done a few stories for Doctor Who um, um, in, in addition to this. Before this, he had done... Well, he's done Robots of Death, The Green Death, but I thought he did, um... All right, maybe, maybe not. I was thinking of Colony in Space. Did he do that? I'm not sure.
2: Are we, are we all looking at IMDb right now? Yeah, yeah I, he, he direct, I think so. Yeah, he directed he did, Colony co- in colony space, and, space. Yeah, okay. he did. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. And uh, th- that was his first Doctor Who.
0: All right. I, I thought he had. <laughs> all right. And of course,
2: he directed Zed Cars. All of these actors were on Zed Cars, and all of these directors all directed episodes of Zed Cars. It's, it is the... Uh, it is the uh, wellspring from which uh, doctor <laughs> who always seems to come as. Yeah, zed cars yeah I, I have
0: to say that i'm a zed car virgin i i, I um it's just it was never shown in the states and i never had an, an opportunity to watch it
2: i've just seen little bits and pieces of them i think that they that they suffered the same fate as so much of uh uh missing early that doctor that who did yeah
0: yeah wow well the Sea Devils uh was written by Malcolm Hulk and uh the uh, producer at the time was Barry Letts. And um Townsticks is the script editor, which um if you have the DVD he, he and Barry Letts and um and, and Michael Bryant, uh, Bryant all do the commentary on, which is interesting yeah. if if you have that opportunity to, to listen to that, which we always recommend. And as as Lee has just said, it has a long list of um of, of guest stars which is um, I'm not going to go through them all but uh, I, you know a few of them I would you know that had major roles I would say Clive Morton who played uh Trenchard Trenchard and, and I should also make a mention that uh many of these uh, guest stars uh, their their names were actually names of of um of navy ships there's the HMS Trenchard uh was a ship that and so he's playing um <laughs> he, he, you know him um uh, along with um walker who's uh played by martin bodie mm-hmm. uh we have um well we we've inter- we had um interviews with him in the past he's he's Terry walsh is a stunt person a standing for um for john Pertwee many times and he's in this as well not playing a major role but um playing Barclay. Stuart Fell is um mm-hmm. he, he's 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 playing a shorter um sea devil in this but he's uh probably known mostly for uh, he, he, his call to fame in Doctor Who might be Alpha Centauri who's uh, another <laughs> well-known uh well, creature from um ambassador from the, from the third doctor's era but this Stuart is one of Stuart fell his is early- also
2: credited yeah,
0: it's one of his early sorry. Um, episodes. This um, the, the Sea Devils, if, if not his first. I should make a point out: the Sea Devils was sh- was actually shot uh, production wise. It was shot um, third in this series, but it was shown. I mean, it was shot second, but it was shown third because they were trying to balance out the series so that um, you would have a good mix between Earthbound stories and off-world adventures. So, um, so this was the first time that. Doctor, the first time in Doctor Who history that the show was shown out of production order, so they they showed um, um, the, the, the Curse of Peladon came was actually shot after this, and they transmitted it before this.
2: So when Stuart Fell does this, he has no idea that what's coming next for him is Alpha Centauri. <laughs> he's, he's credited as the uh, as the uh, stunt coordinator for uh, the serial. For Sea Devils, and uh, so I have to assume that's him in episode six as the Sea Devil who takes a fall off the top of the building. And I, I've always loved that um, he was a stunt man named Fell. That's just <laughs> it's just wonderful.
0: Yeah. Well, we had a um, TV TV series in uh, in the in the U.S. called The Fall Guy, right? Which that's was,
2: right. Yeah, exactly. Which was all about stunt. <laughs> Stuart people. was the Fell Guy. <laughs> I've got more trivia about these actors. every Yes, interested. yes, please jump in. Uh, for this, it. It's, uh, from my uh, background in the theater, I'm always interested in who wrote it and who's in it. You know, that's what I want to know about these episodes. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Clive Morton and Morton Bodie, who have done lots and lots of television. Captain Hart here is Edwin Richfield, who uh, I recognize because he was on six different episodes of the uh, Avengers series, always playing these same kinds of guys, the, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this, you know, the the guy you can count on in a, in a in a clinch, mm-hmm. we'll see him again as Mestor in Twin Dilemma. Wow. I was also interested in his, um, his secretary there, Third Officer Jane Blythe. Um, my eye goes straight to a, a pretty face like that, but if you if you keep watching that character i just think she, she's wonderful this uh, yes, this actress is. is june murphy um i just love her uh, her seething when uh, when walker comes in and talks to her like she's 8 years old and throws his coat at her that she's just about to say something to him it's it's really great um yeah, and wondering. i was saying man i like Exactly. You could really see the level of tongue biting go up there. I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to see her in another Doctor Who? And so I looked her up on IMDb, and she was in another Doctor Who. Hooray! But it's Fury from the Deep.
0: <laughs> she hadn't done much after that, so it's um, it's a shame. But I think she did a great job in the character. And like you said, when Walker came in, this was the early 70s, and she's a third officer, and, she, you know, um, she, I mean, she had, she, there, there are people under her in this installation and then Walker comes in and is treating her more like uh, like a secretary or, you know, and, and, you know, get me some breakfast, you know, and, uh, yeah, take my coat.
6: Good morning, my dear. Captain Hart here?
3: No, sir, he's at sea. Oh,
6: well, I suppose this is the right place for a sailor, eh? <laughs> What's your name?
3: Blythe, sir. Oh.
6: Walker. Parliamentary private secretary. Any chance of any breakfast?
3: I'll call the steward, sir.
6: Excellent. And, uh, who are you? Leading telegraphist Bowman, sir. Jolly good. Uh, nothing very elaborate, my dear. Just uh, eggs, bacon, toast, coffee, or in a little rough-cut marmalade, if they've got it. Uh, how long's he like to be, Captain Hart, I mean.
3: I don't know, sir.
6: Oh, well, now, I tell you what. You get him on your jolly old wireless and ask him to come over here at the double, will you?
7: Send a signal to Captain Hart. Tell him that a Mr. Walker is here to see him.
6: Parliamentary Private Secretary. Uh, Aye, aye, sir.
3: I'll call the steward.
6: Ah, and get me the morning papers, will you? There's a good girl.
3: If I may ask, sir, what is the purpose of your visit?
6: Why, all those ships sinking. I've come down to clear it up for you. Minister's put me in full charge.
1: Yes, I yeah you know, I noticed that too, and I I, I really liked uh, the scene that she had um, with let's see I, the, she had brought um, Katie Manning's care, Joe um, she had brought Joe breakfast and the doctor took what she had and said you know Joe don't eat and then he winds up eating it and then she goes and gets Joe something else to eat A totally different circumstance but you know little bitty tidbits like that I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, and we see. Speaking of eating, we see the doctor eating um, probably more in this episode than we see him in, in much other uh, stories. Where um, he, he's taking bites of these sandwich. Both well, first he's in, in the middle of fencing with uh, the master. He's uh, he's eating the sandwich, and he, he just like takes the quarter of it and just sticks it in his mouth. And then later, there's the scene that you just mentioned, right when he's eating sandwiches and didn't leave any for Joe.
2: That's a joke from uh, The Importance of Being Earnest, too. So one feels they almost need to credit Oscar Wilde for the the sandwich scene.
1: (laughs) And, you know, I can't help but mention every time I uh, I saw uh, John Pertwee in the black jacket with the red interior, I couldn't help but see Capaldi. You know, and there, were, there there were so. This is the first time I've watched anything with uh, the Third Doctor since the Twelfth Doctor came about. Yeah. And there there is so so much of the, uh, in my opinion, of the Third Doctor and the Twelfth. I mean, the, yeah. I, I knew you know he used uh, you know uh, the Third and a little bit of. The the first and some of the fourth a little bit, but you know I really saw a lot of the uh, Capaldi doctor in John Pertwee's doctor. So,
0: well, I, I when his first his first outing as the doctor, I saw a lot of Pertwee in him. You know, um, you know, after his um, regeneration and recovering from that, it was very much um, similar to. It reminded me very much, you know, of um, John Pertwee's regeneration and, and coming out of it, and. um Mm. You know, there the, are the, a lot of parallels that can be drawn there. Cool. So we should make a mention yeah, I think that this is um, a sequel to an earlier story of John Pertwee, uh, the Silurians, Doctor Who and the Silurians, which we reviewed a couple, two years ago, three years ago, and uh, um, so it's a long time coming for this for this story here. In fact, it was originally titled. The Sea Solarians, because these are supposed to be a cousins um, of the Solarians that we saw, or not a, in another um, another race of beings from that same era of the Solarians. So, um, and then it was changed to the Sea Devils because it sounded more um, more menacing and more adventurous, I guess.
1: And this is one uh, monster from classic that we've not seen. You know, I mean, I know, of course, with Vastra and then the other stories, we've seen the Silurians, but but we've never seen the Sea Devils again.
0: But even um, when we've seen the Solarians, you know, in recent years, I still see them as maybe yet another sister race or cousin race of, of the original Solarians because they do look so much different than the original Solarians. So I, I mm-hmm. almost see them as a, another um, offshoot of that same, you know, from, from the same error of the Earth, you know, from that time. But yeah, it's, I, I
2: feel we may see them yet.
0: It'd be, actually, you know, I was thinking that it would be really interesting for them to, for the Sea Devils, for this race to return, uh, because, I mean, what they could do now, like we, what we saw in Time Heist with um, that Mind Sifter creature, I don't remember the name, um...
1: The teller, the teller, the teller, yes. They,
0: I mean, yeah. what they were able to achieve with the prosthetics, um, and 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 the um, and the you know, eyes or stalks or whatever. I mean, the, um, they've come a long way. Where, um, I think what they did with the Solarians back here in the early 70s was remarkable for the time period.
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely.
0: I, I think it was genius that they, um, that their heads are really on the top of the actor's heads, so they have elongated mm. necks and that's where the obviously the actors or, or the stunt people in this case actually their heads are but it just looked like they had long necks with big adam's apples <laughs> but um right <laughs> but i, I th- think they did a great job because um you know it it, it just made them look more menacing you know they, they had a humanoid shape but it was still different enough that it didn't immediately look just like you know some human wearing a mask. So I think it was a great idea. Um, obviously the eyes weren't blinking, but it would be nice if they were able to do that. And when they did talk, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, I mean, I, again, they were limited to the time and what they had available. To, but I, I think for the time that they did it, it was, um, it was um, something that that. Um, Was remarkable for that that time here. Even the 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 guns they weren't traditional, um, long narrow things that we associate being guns. These were like these discs that they had and they fired. Um, I mean, today you look at them, they look like CDs, but they're not. This was before (laughs) compact discs were invented, so it wasn't. You know, it just coincidence that it has a similar look to it. But again, um, something original. And originally they were like the original Solorians they they, they didn't wear clothes so um, the director here Michael Bryant had insisted that that they had that they should be clothed because any um, any society any civilization that that is that um, uh, has a, a, um, that's I don't know if you want to say civilized or have uh, are intelligent enough that they're going to be taken over and using guns and all that they most likely are going to be wearing clothes too so um sort of as a last minute thing they they put together these nets um this netting costume that they're wearing um which i guess served the purpose of them wearing clothes
1: looked a little odd but i i mean i get the point yeah. yeah
0: and and their faces were based on sea turtles if the, the 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 face of the because they have these beaks and the and the and those big eyes are very much like sea turtles
1: now, if i had to compare the uh, original Solarians and the Sea Devils, the, as far as the face goes, uh, Sea Devils, I like theirs better, much better.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this yeah. is, um, they had some time to improve, I guess, on it. But like you said, then we haven't seen, we didn't see them again until what was it, the Worries of, of the Deep, uh, the 1983 right. story with uh, the Fifth Doctor, which I haven't seen in, in so long. So um, I don't know. They, they, it would be interesting to see them come back and see them realized better today.
2: Yeah, I would love that. And Malcolm Hulk will get a credit.
0: Yes, yeah, and um, unfortunately, um, I, I mean, he's he's unfortunately he's no longer with us, but it'd be, it's great right. that um, you know, he, he's uh one of those names that is always associated mm. with Doctor Who. Yeah.
2: I love the BBC way of doing that. That you know, whenever we see Daleks, Terry Nation gets a credit. Whenever there's right. Cybermen, Kid Peddler gets a credit. Yeah. So if we had Sil- when we have Silurians, I, I assume Malcolm Hulk has an estate. They're still getting a they're still getting a nickel every time somebody says Silurian. So, Middle <laughs> Eocene's, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: So um, this has the master in it as well. So um, I think. I got side. I got sidetracked when I was going off with the cast there. So obviously, uh, Roger Delgado is back as as Missy. I mean, as the master.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Say something nice. I was ready yeah. for that.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Roger Delgado is always my favorite. Um, uh, well, he's. I mean, he's the original master, but he's always been my favorite um, interpretation of the master. Um, you know, which um, I mean, he basically. Paved the path for the other actors to play the role. Before- okay, I've
1: got to say this: are, you, are 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 you are you saying that he was he played the part? And I know this is cheesy. Are mm. you are you saying that he played it
0: masterfully? Yes, <laughs> masterfully. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I am full of corny jokes tonight. Sorry about that,
7: Mr. Trenchard. me, sir, to say if you wanted your book changed. Well, that's very kind of him, but I uh, haven't quite finished yet. Roger, right sir. Just a minute. You're new here, aren't you? Arrived yesterday, sir. Wait. Do you know who I am? You're the prisoner. I am the master. Come here. I am the master, and you will obey me. Understand, you will obey me. you let us know when you finish with the book, sir.
0: You know, but it's interesting watching him now because because I'm, I'm, we've se- we've seen so many other actors and actresses now to play that part since, and mm-hmm. it's interesting now watching it how um, you know where you could see maybe other bits where where the other actors might have pulled stuff from him, you know where. Um, you know, and um, even like the the latest interpretation, um, uh, Gomez um, uh, Michelle Michelle Gomez. Uh, you know, where she's sort of reserved, but then, occasionally you you can see that she's a little bonkers. And even here, you know, in in the early, st- you know, I always said that you know Roger Delgado wasn't, you know, kept at all. You know, he was very dignified and and didn't, but but if th- there are certain things, you know, where you can see where that comes from, you know, um, where you can see he's a little bonkers, but he's not over the top with it. You know, it's very understated, which which I like. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's um, there's even a scene here where he's watching uh, some sort of children's programs and, and he's he's thinking he's taking it for legitimately, you know, some sort of alien race, whatever, you know, some sort about alien, you know, little creatures. And um, and he had to be told he had he had to be told that it was a children's program. Uh, something that they Certainly echo very later on. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah, he's watching the Clangers here and uh and then uh, John Sims Master will watch uh, Teletubbies.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's it.
2: And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is where that joke gets seated and that'll come up later. Uh,
5: Life for <laughs> only puppets, you know, for children.
2: Oh, yeah, you can't. I just, yeah, I'm with you, Lewis I just, I can never say enough good things about Roger Delgado's master. And I, I the, the more time goes by, just the more I miss him. And
0: uh, yeah, it's a I, shame, um, um, you know, because we lost him during the actual production of the series. He was in a, a yeah car accident. Yeah, exactly, and we lost him, and there, there, um. You know, unfortunately, I, I, that was um, before I got into Doctor Who myself. So, you know, I, I never got a chance, you know, to to meet him in any way or shape or form because of that.
2: Well, people I, I know, people whose, you know, the interviews I've read who who did know him say that, like a lot of other great screen villains, of course, in real life, he was the nicest oh, guy yeah, in the all world. Oh, yeah, they that he's so and, uh, sweet. Yeah.
0: But he's... But, um, uh,
2: my golly, he could be scary.
0: No, he's yeah. a he's a great actor, and here if you if you listen to um, the commentaries or uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, you know documentaries that's included on the DVD here, you will learn that he's he, he couldn't swim and he was very frightened of the water. Yet, watching this, you would never know that because um, you know he, he he's an actor, a consummate actor, and he you know oh. it's um, you know so he. You know, he seems very natural out on the water, even though in reality it's something that he would rather avoid. Hmm.
2: Especially, Especially at that's... the. Go ahead. I guess that's not him on the jet ski and that big chase at the end. Then that's. A...
0: The, well, there's stunt people there, but I think when yeah. you see, he he initially runs onto one, I think that's him running onto one, and then. Oh yeah, that um, would still be hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Th- and, and you know, one of his most playful. Parts of the entire serial was at the very end where the master escapes and he's waving playfully, <laughs> still, you know, on the water, yeah. but you know, with that waving. Back, back on top. Right.
2: That's right.
0: I, I, you know, I didn't do the spoiler alert, but, you know, obviously. Because we're talking about the ending now, so Oops. obviously, no, no, it's not yeah. your fault. I, it, it's forty-three years. <laughs> it's been years.
2: forty-three
0: years. So so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. But if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't seen um, the Sea Devils, you may want to stop listening until you have. Uh, that's right. Because uh, you know that that's that's your warning now. Uh, but yeah, it has a great <laughs> ending. It's where where the the, the master has the last laugh.
2: We are asked to believe that he apparently carries a mask of himself in his pocket yes. at all times, yeah, I, I guess. Which
0: I, I thought of that, that too. But well, I, you know, he has the tissue compression eliminator, so it was a little that's mask, right. and he just enlarged it, you know. So he, he, he blows it up. He <laughs> he just you see,
2: these <laughs> problems are always solvable. You can,
0: <laughs> his pockets are bigger that's on a, the inside. are. Yeah, <laughs> you see?
2: Yeah. It's always an explanation in <laughs> sci-fi fantasy. We can make yes, that work. Yeah. yeah, we can make it work. So. Yeah. This, if I'm, I think I'm right about this. That Malcolm Hulk's script here then gets to plant the seed that the Doctor, and the Master, used to be friends.
0: Yeah, um, I think this is the
2: first time school, that that's mentioned.
0: You know, you could, you, the, doctor say, the doctor said, "Yeah, you could um, you could say that we were school chums or something like that. You were we were schoolmates." Yeah, right. um,
2: and and he and it's, it's so interesting to watch the the two of them treat each other with respect throughout mm-hmm. all of this. but And it's one of the things I love about Roger Delgado's master, but they do not trust each other. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, cautious respect. So there, there's yeah, the, the first yeah, exactly. scene where they, they meet. They, well, first of all, the concept of the master being imprisoned is great, you know, because um, yeah. this picks up after um, when we last saw the master, the demons or daemons, um, he was in, he in uh, court and... Uh, imprisoned then, so now they have the, the, the you know, just the idea that, that he's uh, imprisoned somewhere on Earth, which is similar to uh, the third Doctor himself. The third Doctor is uh, imprisoned on mm-hmm. Earth, so um, in, in a larger sense, because here you see, oh, well, the Doctor's free and roaming and all that, but in a sense, the Time Lords have imprisoned him on Earth, too, so um, there's a little duality there going on there. Uh, but when they first go up, uh, they... Uh, they check on the Master, and you know um, he's in, he's in, um, he 's in this um military installation where he 's imprisoned and um, and as you were saying there 's a certain respect but untrust or distrust to towards each other and At the end, when they were saying goodbye, the Master extended his hand, and the doctor almost shook it, but then took his hand back. And I thought that was a great <laughs> yeah. scene, which which wasn 't scripted. it was something that they did in rehearsals, and they kept it in uh, I yeah. thought that was a kind of a nice touch there
2: they, those those are two actors who really know their roles
0: oh yeah yeah it's in a, in
2: a story like this i, I just i just couldn 't take my eye off the two of them when they're when they 're when they're in scenes where they 're playing with these actors who are wearing these uh, these masks and i 'm reminded again that in a show like this so much of the burden for keeping the audience involved for for maintaining the credibility of the story comes down to these actors if they're fully invested in what's going on if they are if they are mm-hmm. really in the moment and and saying okay these are representatives of a of a approach Genitor race that's been on the Earth for millions of years, and they want their planet back. You know, as long as you keep that in your mind, then they're going to play the scene that way, and we're going to believe it too. If for a second we can see that they're playing, you know, yeah. that they're yeah. acting, it all falls apart. But you watch uh, John Pertwee and Roger Delgado in these scenes, and they are the Doctor and the Master. There's no, there's no chink in it at all. It's, um, it's just, it's, it's awe inspiring to watch them.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Outside of the um, the sea devils being um, uh, the, the way they've been designed and all that uh, another change in this in this episode was that the music was electronic music it was experimental at that time um, I, I think at the time it felt it was I think they felt it was too different and um, and at times it it, it didn't work as um, it didn't work well in certain scenes but I, I thought. It set the tone, and it was very um i don't know it had this very alien mysterious quality to it, which um I always asso- associate with the story when i when I hear that it's uh i, I should give credit to it's it's um the music is um' Malcolm, it's Malcolm Clark. Clark, yes, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's one of those things we we just we'd have to go back to 1972 and hear it for the first time. I it just drives me nuts. I can't yes. stand this music. But I wonder what it sounded like on, on people's ears in 1972. Was it the most thrilling thing ever? I, you know, we're, we're just too far out from it to know. It's.
1: Well, yep. l- l- let me follow up on what you just said. <laughs> how it sounds on people's ears. I wear hearing aids, and let me tell you this: I took them out while I uh, while I was listening to it because it had a feedback. Believe it or not, with oh. every time they played that music, I got feedback, and I oh said, "Okay, God. you know, I'm watching. I've got my closed caption going. I'm fine." I took them out and. um you know, I was fine without them, but, uh, it did with something in the, it, it reverberated a little mm-hmm. bit and get, and caused some feedback. So I, th- I that was, that was a comment I was going to make about the music. And when, it, and then when you said uh, how it sounded to someone, I was like, okay, you know, the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I thought it was hurting my ears. I have no idea. I can...
0: Yeah. It was, uh, um, all electronic, there was, uh, there, there was um, another um, music, another um, composer that was originally lined up, but he had fallen ill, and um, and, and Malcolm Clark had nice. stepped in and did this experimental, um, you know, electronic score for it. So um, I, I, you know, there's certain scenes, like most notably um, when Joe is going through um, this air duct, and the, the the I thought the music there just didn't really fit the scene at all. It was. Idea. Again, you know, this was the early 70s and they were just, you know, they were experimenting with it. And uh, so I think in certain, I, I thought the menacing theme, you know, there's a um, certain track that um, the, 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 I guess that I associated with the Sea Devils, I think worked very well. But um, like I said, some parts work better than others.
2: It'd be really amazing if they had, you know, hit it out of the ballpark the first time, having never done a score like this before. So,
0: I, I think there was there was more to it at the time. I remember, you know, doing a review on another story where, um, you know, I, I, I think they wanted to do something different and experimental, but they couldn't at that time. They just didn't have it. It took too long to do, and the the, the technology just wasn't there um it might have been an, i don't know if it was an earlier pertwee story um so it this was something that was was coming at at a certain point when the technology got to the point where it did in in the early 70s then they, they were able to do it but i remember um again we were reviewing some other episode some other story and i can't recall now which was which one it was but it was um it was meant to be uh they they meant to do an electronic Theme on another story, but they just didn't. The, the technology just wasn't there to do it in the in the time allowed to do it. You know, when you think of the Master and you think of the Third Doctor and Joe and on and, and, and an Earthbound story, naturally you think of UNIT and the Brigadier. But UNIT and the Brigadier are not in the story at all. In fact, the only represents representatives of UNIT are um, the, are the Doctor and Joe herself. You know, so instead. Of The the military presence here is the Royal Navy, Um, so they're sort of standing in on, you know, um, this time instead of the the brigadier. And so there's some parallels that we can talk about, you know, going back to the first story of the Silurians, where uh, the military decides that, you know, the only way to to prevent, you know, this uh, race of recapturing the earth and eliminating mankind is to eliminate them. So we we sort of have that struggle re, you know, um, revisited in this story as well. Um,
2: it would have been interesting to I would have been very interested to see how how this would have played out if the brigadier had been a character in this because Silurian's ends with the brigadier, you know, uh, from the doctor's point of view, deciding arbitrarily to commit genocide. Mm-hmm. I mean and so now we're encountering the the sister race again the, the the tension between him and the doctor would have been a major part of the story that um, And, and so, I
1: also I think that would actually have just you know added layers to the story so I mean I I, I would have rather have had the brigadier. Oh
2: uh, yeah. It would sir, it would have been a different story. There's uh, I don't think there's any way uh, unless they sort of pretended like the the end of Silurians didn't happen, you know. And uh
0: well what's interesting is that you know total. the the doctor was very upset at the end of the Solaris that the Brigadier had chosen to do what he did and um and here the doctor is forced to do it himself you know right? And, uh, which which is interesting you know um so you know maybe he has you know uh, reconsidered maybe what the Brigadier had done and um but he he was trying to find some sort of negotiation between the sea devils and he was looking for some room to negotiate with them but they just weren't having it
2: yep he does everything he can i think mm-hmm. this it is it's a heartbreaking moment when the doctor has is setting up his his bomb you know and he and he says to the the salarian leader you there's no no way to change your mind and he says no he says mm-hmm. i'm sorry you know and we know what he means when he says i'm sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: so um, many of the of the, the people that we see here playing the Navy are actually navy people the The Navy um, obliged the BBC by um, allowing them to use um, so that, you know to come aboard their vessels and um, and, and many of the um, for instance the hovercraft when everyone 's coming out shooting those are actually Navy people when um, when they found the doctor originally with a magnifying glass on on the shore, with you know inspecting a, a, one of the boats there, uh, all the um, the, all the military people that come there are all navy people, and um, mm-hmm. so it, it was um, it was interesting for John Pertwee as a former navy person, and he's also was known for another show that he did called the the Navy Lock, which was a a comedy show uh, where he, he, you know he, he worked on. Uh, but they, they, they all had. Um, I think they all got on very well because they uh, they spoke the same language, if you were. So it, it was interesting seeing, um, you know, something working so well with between the production team and and what the results were on screen. You know, with um, some of the the footage that you see, the stock footage was supplied by, you know, the Royal Navy to um, you know to the Doctor Who. Program. An interesting side, side note for the production was, um, and again, you'll learn this if you watch the DVD commentaries or the, the um, behind-the-scenes stuff. Is that the submarine that they had shown in this series, in this in this episode, was actually something—a model kit that they had gotten from Warbursts, and they painted it black to make it a nuclear to make it to make it a nuclear submarine. And that there's a propeller that was on it that was a um, a, a two fin propeller, whatever, and it just didn't look real. Didn't look right. So uh, they had the prop man change it to uh, to a a, a multi prop propeller and um, to make it look more realistic. And after this show went out, after the series went out, a couple of weeks later, two military people came, two navy people came to the BBC, and um, I don't know if it was. I guess they wanted was it the director or Barry Letts that they spoke to, and they said, you know, they they had to question them how. You know, how did you um, come about this the submarine with the propellers and all that? It turned out coincidentally that the um, the actual secret secret um, uh, submarine you know the nuclear submarine that the that the Royal Navy had was similar, had the same you know propellers and therefore uh, it could be tr- you know once once they know how many propellers I don't know the technology here but they they can track it son you know via sonar. Uh, depending on how many propellers oh. it has, so somehow they constantly had the same amount of propellers.
2: There's a story about something similar to that happening <laughs> in the, after the Star Trek pilot, after the Cage is being aired uh, of of uh, somebody coming around from the American Navy saying, "Hey, that's that's the bridge design of our new aircraft carriers." So <laughs> really? I, I don't I don't know if that's that's an apocryphal story. I don't uh-huh. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. Huh. I was just glad to see a uh, all this um, submarine model work on a British TV show because it looked like Stingray to me, and I just enjoy anything that looks like Stingray. So <laughs> the master would have enjoyed watching Stingray.
0: <laughs> so th- th- this was a I-, I thought this was a a classic John Pertwee story. You know, he's known for uh, being a very action oriented doctor. So you know, um, you know we we have hovercrafts and jet ski speed boats and. Diving bells and you know, um, I, I thought this and fencing. You know, the, him and the master saw fencing at, at one point. Of course, they have fencing swords situated right outside the prisoner's door, the prisoner's room yeah. in in this um, mm-hmm. military installation, which is uh, kind of bizarre. Yeah. But again, as they do, <laughs> we have to overlook these things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, we have to remember also that the uh, master, quote unquote, really wasn't a prisoner.
0: Yes, this is true. He. It was all a ruse right because he had control of everyone there um as far as production goes um some tip of the hat there to uh to batman with some of the tilted shots there that we see um when, when they first go to this um fort and where uh you have two uh, workers maintenance people there and um and, and the doctor and joe show up there and that's when they first encounter the sea devils uh, there's uh, some sh- corridor shots with the camera on an angle there, which uh, most notably was done in in the few years before that in you know in the Batman series. It j- just uh, I thought it was interesting to do because it just kind of puts you a little bit off your access. and mm-hmm. <laughs> one. Um, so it, I I think it, it worked well. They didn't overdo it. They just did it in those in those scenes there.
2: No they. They sort of they do it in those first scenes and then drop it. But, yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I noticed that too. That's called me a Dutch too. tilt. I don't know why. I don't know why that's a Dutch tilt, but that's what it's called. <laughs> I think uh, fans of Forbidden Planet will enjoy all the uh, shots of people melting holes in the door. I uh, I, I yes, like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that uh, inevitably made me think of Forbidden Planet.
0: So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was, um, I mean, it was six parts. I think um, maybe if it was made today, they might have, Um, kind of um, trimmed it down to and and got rid of some of the excess and made it more coherent maybe to a four-part story. But, you know, it's one thing that was great about the series at that time was that they had the luxury of doing these longer stories that had maybe more complex storytelling where, you know, they're... um, Oh, and, you know, because I had mentioned they were on this um, fort, which was originally supposed to be an oil rig, and then it it was going to be two... Too uh, complex to do an oil rig, sh- an oil rig shoot because um, well, first, of all, and this this goes this is kind of telling from the, t- the time error that this was taking place. Um, there was some sort of rules about women being on oil rigs, and Joe, uh, Katie Manning wouldn't have been able to to be on one or something like that. And um, so, anyway, because of the complications involved, they they change it to the Sea Fort, which I think worked well or worked better um uh it, it, i think it, it just was one of those fortuitous things that um i think worked out well in the end
2: it does it's a very interesting location to look at and they, and i think they make really good use of it um
0: absolutely
1: and i think and i think it worked in story you know they had the part where uh, one of the reasons that they found that Joe and the doctor had been he- taken captive was because they didn't return uh it was at the, uh, the vehicle that they were using yes
0: right it's sort of um they were missing ships so, going on at the time
1: right so so i mean you know they they worked it into the story so i mean it it worked
0: yeah i mean they they had to they had to bring the bring them out there for some reason so you know the um, you know the the, the sea devils were, was for some reason were, you know, um, you know whatever they were doing to uh, the, the, to these ships, they were doing it.
1: In my mind's eye, I, I think it would have looked a little bit more menacing if they had have been on the oil rig, and you would have mm-hmm. seen these hands coming out of the water, climbing up the uh, side of the thing, as opposed to coming out of the water. So yeah. I mean. Visually, you know that might have been a little bit more menacing, scary, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: So in the new series Sea Devils episode that we're uh, that we're advocating, there uh, you go, going to be set on an oil rig. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, with uh, and, and sh- I don't know, um, you don't have captains on oil rigs. Whoever, whatever title the, the whoever runs the oil rig should be a woman. <laughs> just, so, just so yeah, that exactly, thing. exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Then, then, then we'll know what year it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know that reminds me. I meant to mention this earlier. One of the guys on, on the fort in episode one is Declan Mulholland, um, who we'll see again on Doctor Who, and uh, he, he's in androids of Tara. But. Um, I'm always happy to see him because he, he's an actor. He could have been one of the icons of the Star Wars universe if his scenes hadn't been cut. Declan Mohan was Jabba the Hutt.
0: Ah. Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you know, he, then the he's, decision he's was the made. He's the heavy
0: that, set guy. That, yeah. You know, he kind of gets to wrestle to the ground. It's kind of weird because, you know, watching it, sort of, you know, he sort of looks familiar, but it's one of those. Yeah, where have I seen that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and if you you've seen the original uh, yeah. New Hope then mm-hmm. in, in which Job is not a giant slug, but a, a humanoid. A
0: humanoid, yeah.
2: He's, yeah. So we saw Declan Mulholland got a raw deal. He could have been... <laughs> there, there are no action figures of De- Declan Mulholland, you know?
0: Yeah, I know. Even Big Starkliner got an action figure in most of his season. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting.
3: It's coming towards us.
7: Stop, my friends! Stop!
6: Hickman! He's dead! <laughs> they killed him! He came from the sea... the sea... the sea devil!
7: Come on, Joe, Hickman. Hickman! We've got, got to get him into that camp. Hickman! Come on, Bryce. Hickman! Right. Hickman! Hickman! <laughs> Hickman!
0: Yeah, I, I thought the the cast was done. The, the acting was um, really on spot. I didn't have a problem with any of the acting. Um, you know, it was interesting. Um, speaking of actors, unfortunately, um, two of the um, major secondary roles, uh, Clive, you know, Clive Morton, who played Trenchard, and um, and um, the actor that played Walker, Martin Bodie, both within um, three years had passed away after this. So um, that's yeah. that's that's a bit unfortunate, but um, but yeah, like, you know, Walker comes in as his hancho, and um, you know he he wants his breakfast and all that, and then later we see him, and he's when it comes down to it, he he's he's a bit of a wimp, you know, he's like, oh well, we shouldn't really make any waves. Isn't the doctor going to be taking care of this? Um, they might they might take it out on on the innocents, on us here, or something. Right, know?
2: there'll <laughs> be reprisals. <Yes. laughs> right, there's there's an, a moment where he's actually Hiding behind Joe, and I just thought that was wonderful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then when he, gets, when he gets his power back, then he's saying, Massive nuclear strikes, yes. the only way. <laughs> what a great line that is. Yeah. So he's in the wrong movie. He, just, he used to be in <laughs> <an> aliens. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, I was so. writing down uh, lines from Parliamentary Private Secretary Walker. It's just He gets to say, Murder? War always is, my dear. Now, where's that girl with my toast? <laughs> what a great line. And I'm the idiot you've just been talking about.
1: <laughs> and an idiot he was.
2: He's, he's something else. What
1: are you doing? They are going to put this
6: table underneath that ventilation hatch and try to open it. Supposing you'll get caught? They might take reprisals against the innocent. A screwdriver. Joe, over there on the bench somewhere. Don't you think we ought to leave these things to the doctor? He said we ought to come up. Okay, underneath,
7: oh. underneath the bench.
6: Look, he's uh, he's not going to try and trick them, is he? Shh. let it out. This could have the most dreadful consequences. He 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 made them a promise, you know. Yes, in order to save our lives. Do you mind?
2: Which you know, this is this is Malcolm Hulk's uh, interest in politics at work. His uh, his scripts will always have these characters who have more power than one feels they ought to have, mm-hmm. and I. I kind of think in the Silurians, it's it's the Brigadier is the mm. one who gets to be the,
0: yeah.
2: receive the, and, the Malcolm and, Hulk treatment.
1: And I re, and I really like the doctor's re, response to him when he ordered the attack. He said, yeah. uh, and he was bragging about the fact that he had destroyed them. And the doctor says, you have not destroyed them. You made them angry. And then yeah. emphasized right. very, very yeah.
2: angry. Very, very angry. Yes, it's great.
0: <laughs> so overall.
2: Well, right, we, we, there's. There's like an elephant in the room here. We're not talking about it. This, okay, uh, this is <laughs> This is the episode from which comes I reverse the polarity of the neutron, it flow. neutron flow. Is
0: this the original? Ah. Is this the first time he's used yeah. that? Really? Well, yeah. That's... Uh, no, well, but obviously obviously I, in episode I, six. I, I recognized yeah. it when he said it, but I didn't realize this was the, yeah. the first one. Wow. Ne-
2: never said before, and I... Somebody's going to call in and, and correct me on this, but I think he never actually says it in, ex, in those exact words yeah, again. He, so this is really the only time I reverse the polarity of the neutron flow.
0: Yeah, he, he, I but, mean he's he's used neutron flow since then, but I think he's he changed it about changed it changed it up, you know a bit, he mixed it up a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Once
5: huh. I see if the device works properly. They'll release me. I very much doubt it. You see, before you reactivated it, I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. You did
7: what? you realize what will happen.
5: Oh, yes. You. Well, there'll be a massive reverse feedback into their whole power system. Exactly. In about uh, ten minutes from now, the whole place should go up. Enjoy your revenge.
6: <sighs> Guards! you must release me
7: I must talk to your chief let me out we're all in
5: danger let me out you're wasting your time you know even if they heard you they couldn't do really anything about it no. well I built a self destruct mechanism into the main control switch you can't turn it off we'll both be killed. That's right. Unless we can both escape.
2: But And he's talking about the Master's Machine, and I have to confess this. I'm not 100% sure, after watching this again, what the Master's Machine was supposed to do exactly. Me neither. Uh, yeah. Okay. Was, <laughs> well, that's a relief.
0: Well, it, it seemed like a, initially, it seemed like it was something that he, could, he was using to control the sea devils, I thought, you know, but I don't think yes. it really conveyed, you know, it didn't really solidify as far as um, what this really was meant to do, you know. And then um you know, then of course the doctor gets his hands on it and um you know and puts the input where the output should go and <laughs> right. sorry about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's as simple as that.
0: And, uh, 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 and the speaking, master doesn't blink an eye.
1: Speaking of reverse the polarity, he only said the full phrase uh, uh, twice. He said it uh, on the Sea Devils, which is what we're reviewing, and he said it again on the 20th anniversary, Five Doctors. I was going to say probably on one of
0: the anniversary ones. Because by that time, he was so known for it.
2: Right, that's it. It becomes his catchphrase, but yeah. he really didn't say it that often. It's a,
0: well, it's just like beam me, up spot, beam me Up Scotty. Beam Me Up Scotty, exactly. He's never said, yeah. you know, he he, he said <laughs> things similar to that, but never right. those exact never words. Actually beam know, up. In, in the original series. But I, I miss John Pertwee. I mean, I, um, you know, back in the 80s, you know, I, I saw him a few times at conventions, and, you know, anytime now watching a John Pertwee story, I sort of, you know, it puts me in the mindset of that time era. Um, you know, the show was very different back then. And, and, and again, um, I'm not putting down the show today, but it was, you know, because when you, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, the John Pertwee era is very much different than um, the William Hartnell era. And, um, you know, and the the, the the Tom Baker era is very different than the... Um, the, the, the Pat Troughton era, you know, because every, you know, every doctor and every producer, ha, you know, it's it's that's what keeps the show going is that change? it changes and regenerates itself and all that. But it's just that the show today is so outside of that, out, outside of, I mean, the differences that the show has made for today's audience besides that. It's just right now it's, it's so mainstream, if you will, especially here in the States, you know, if... Um, you I mean it was very easy for John Perrie to come to the states or Patrick Trouton um, at the time, you know, and and do a convention and and make it an intimate affair, you know, and it's where you just have um, a few hundred or a few thousand people, you know, well maybe a few hundred people. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just and and again, it's not, it's not putting down conventions today. It's just that the it's just a, a, a different beast, if you will, today. You know. Sure. if 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 you had um Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi coming to do a convention today you it's sort of like um you know the San Diego Comic-Con is just you, you just got right. pr- masses of crowds and it's just you, you just can't get that same feeling or or that same intimate atmosphere that you did back you know back in the day in in the 80s with Doctor Who fandom and and uh, you know so John Pertwee sort of personifies that for me because I some of the best Doctor Who conventions I remember are the ones, especially with uh, Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee there together because they were always, you know, because they had this on-screen, um, you know, <laughs> persona where they were going at each other all the time and they carried it over at conventions and they were, had this rivalry and, you know, and you know it was all they were playing, but it, it was just... Um, sure one of those things that it
1: added to the it, it added to the whole
0: experience
1: yeah
2: yeah right yeah I would love to have seen that
1: mm. well I would have loved to have seen either one of them yeah either one
2: but I I think I put his finger right on it too what a, what a what a delight it is to see Peter Capaldi uh, just sort of touch on John Pertwee every now and then and uh, the way they've called him back in the costume and so on it's just uh,
0: yeah I, I think you know um, I think what's to come with Peter Capaldi is going to be really interesting. I think that, uh, you know, we, we've got a taste of his Doctor so far, but I think it's only the first season. It's only the first year that we've had. And I think um, yeah. we can really flesh it out and um, make it his own, you know, while, while still drawing from past Doctors and, and still kind of um, develop his Doctor. And and, and um, I think it's interesting where where it can go. So I'm looking forward to um, the new series.
1: You know, I'm going to make a prediction. Just as uh, Hartnell was cold, distant, etc. In his first into second season, we're going to see just like you said, Lewis, We're going to see a mellowing, a a, a different, more layers of Capaldi in season nine, ten, however many you know he stays. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think we're going to see him settle into the role.
0: Well, also another factor is the writing. The writing now now the writers can write for him, you know, because they've seen him and they mm-hmm. they know they know his doctor now, you know, and and then they can flourish on what was already set, the foundation that was set there. I mean, if you let's bring it back to John Purley, if you were just to judge John Purry on his first year, it, your your impression may not be as trailblazing as it is through his whole 5-year span. So, um mm-hmm. You know it, I, it, it needs time to develop you know that 's why um, you know I, I think Colin Baker was heading in that same direction he he had He had plans on staying longer and developing his doctor, but it never came to be because it was cut short so um, I think uh, you know history has given Colin Baker the short stick when you when you think of his televised episodes because he didn 't really have a chance to flourish and bring it to where he wanted it to go and um, no. So I, I I think you know those that may be judging Peter Capaldi on just one one year, you know I, I think you need still need to give him a chance and see where his his character and his doctor goes.
2: Sure. Yeah, you you remind me of, of um, Louise Jameson saying that sometimes she was given scripts. Yes. Where
0: it was it
2: says Sarah Jane throughout. Yeah. They literally marked out Sarah mm-hmm. Jane and written Leela. That's not writing for Leela. Right. <laughs> That's, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, wasn't there
1: one of the episodes this uh, past season that was actually written for Matt and they rewrote yeah. it? Was awesome, it was yeah. it the Robots of Sherwoods, I think maybe. I, I think there was one. I'll look it up. And I had read uh, that I, too.
2: Yeah, but I can't remember which one. Which one it was. But yeah, same thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's no way to judge a, an actor or a character, and uh, when they're when they're working on somebody else's script
0: getting back to the sea devils any other um anything else that we need to talk about before we give our final review i guess not
2: (laughs) (laughs) the thunderous silence uh yeah no no i'm going through my notes i think uh, i think we've covered it Uh,
1: i think we have
2: yeah the uh, the motto of the episode is "I'm the idiot you've just been talking about." <laughs> no, no, that's that's a terrible motto. Uh, yeah. Massive nuclear strike. It's the only way. <laughs> yeah.
1: You made uh, them very, very angry.
2: Very, very angry.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to say that that I enjoyed the story. I have. I should say that I haven't. You know, um, it's been some years. Um, pro- may- I'm, I'm, I may even say maybe a couple decades since I last seen it. So it was good seeing it. Was nice. Um, you know uh you know obviously i i 've seen it a few times before, but um sometimes memory fades, so um, it was good to get refreshed on it and um you know what what stood out in my memory vividly obviously with you know outside of the sea devils themselves were was that that sea fort and you know taking place out 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 at sea and and uh, you know um being very navy centric and uh, um but it was good seeing everything else, being uh, the little bits of the of the story of the six part story um, that might have faded from memory, um, you know, being reintroduced to that. I thought it was um, right. it has hovercrafts, as I said, jet ski boats, diving bells, everything but Bond himself, you know, and 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 right. um, John Pertwee <laughs> is the it's the James Bond of Doctor Who, if you will, and I think this is an excellent mm-hmm. example of that. It's um, it's the early seventies. So anytime I'm watching a, a Doctor Who story, I put myself in the mindset of the early 70s. I, I was at at the time not watching Doctor Who because this wasn't available to me at that time. But I, I try to put myself on, you know, on, on my memory of that period. I was I was young then, but I still remember the early 70s. And, um, and I, I think this does justice. It holds up well. I mean, obviously, again... Put yeah, I, I always review it in in that mindset of when it was made. So, um, so I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five Tardis groans. I um, I thought maybe that the parts of it, um, since it's a six part episode, the the the, the pacing might have slowed down in pieces here and there. Um, it could have been tightened up a bit, but for a six part story, um, it it kept going, and I I thought it was interesting enough. I think. Um, as Lee had said, I think what sells this is the acting. If um, if if the actors that were in it were weren't taking the the, the Sea Devils seriously, then it wouldn't have worked. But I think they, they they all did. You know, obviously the principals, Roger Delgado. It's always great seeing him working. Um, this was a before this. Um, Rod, uh, the master was always portrayed as as the villain. You know, as the as the and, I mean, he's the villain here too, but he's working with the the sea devils where in previous um, Doctor Who stories with the Master, he was always like the villain, you know, where he was, there was the Doctor versus mm-hmm. the Master. So now this is the first time where he's sort of... Um, You know, he's working with another. You know, it's it's not just the doctor and the master. It's the doctor, the sea devils, and the master. So it's 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 um it's something. You know, they're trying something different here, and I think it worked well. And it's the, the whole concept of the the master being imprisoned and and how he um, you know, is basically really in control of everything, but puts up this ruse about it all. And I I think all that sort of worked well for this story. And um, it's always just interesting to see um. You know, Roger Delgado playing the master there, so...
7: My dear doctor, I can walk out of here any time I choose. Then why don't you? Because this place makes a good base for my operations. You see... I'm planning to contact our reptilian friends. How do you know about them? Oh, from the Time Lords files. More stolen information? Naturally. Well,
5: why do you want to contact them?
7: those reptiles doctor were once the rulers of this earth and with my help they can be so again
5: I still don't see why you want to help them what can you possibly gain the pleasure of seeing the
7: human race exterminated doctor the human race of which you are so fond believe me that'll be a reward in itself
0: Kevin wants to see
5: you sir in a moment he wants to see you now, sir. Better run along, old chap. You're still a prisoner here, you know.
0: Like I said, I I, en- I enjoyed it, and it was, you know, I didn't regret coming back and revisiting this story for this review. So, Kyle, right, Lee. well,
1: I guess, all right, well, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, you know what? What sold it for me was the interaction between. Um, You know Pertwee and Delgado seeing him and the master together. You know that was great. I would give it a four out of five as well. You know, it it, this is the first classic that I've watched in quite a while, so it took me a while to get back into that seventies mindset. Um, This, you know, the story. I think there was either episode three or four, it may have been four or five, that I think could have been trimmed. uh, You know, to tighten it up a little bit. But um, you know the, the overall story I thought was good. Uh, they are actually something that I would like to see return um, you know just to see what from 19 you know 70 what was it 72 73 72, uh, 72. 72 you know just to, you know taking it from there and jumping it forward to see what technology of today you know could do with them. so I'd give it ai would give it a four out of five easily so good good a good cereal
0: but they even though it went out in seventy two it was, it was actually shot in seventy one so and you know so it was it was written and um you know came to being you know it was it came to fruition in um in seventy one and then um you know it it went out in february of seventy two
1: good but yeah, i mean you know a strong episode so i thought uh, you know i thought very good, so Lee what about you? Yeah
2: yeah when, when uh when lewis invited us to to talk about this one and that i you know looked back and saw that it was a six-parter there was a part of me that said oh boy six parts well okay but i think it clips right along that even as a six-parter that um that the the pace is is maintained really well and i i i credit to malcolm hulk with that and uh and the director as well it's uh uh, it's, it's, it was just more fun to watch than I than I had remembered. I'd, I I would go I'm, I, if we can do half half groans. I would yes. go up to four and a half for yeah. this one. I was, um, you know you know me. It was it's it's Malcolm Hulk's politics that fascinated me, <laughs> and uh, w- and watching what he what he manages to do in this story, in his portrayal of the people in power, and I re- the way I remembered it from, from seeing this episode before Trenchard was hypnotized by the master. And that's why he's helping the master.
1: Mm-hmm. He's yeah, not. So
2: yeah. Trenchard is, is doing what he's doing because he thinks he's doing the right thing for Britain.
1: Hmm.
2: And, and so the doctor says the master's used his patriotism as a weapon. And, uh, that was, that's just one of those lines that, uh, that went off like a bomb for me. I thought, what, this is a very, th- there's some very sophisticated ideas in this episode. What, what fun, it. it I, I was 11 years old when this episode came out. I didn't see it then, but I think the 11 year old me would have loved the the ray guns and the hovercrafts and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But for mom and dad, mom and dad watching the show with me would have said, "This is a very, very thoughtful piece about how big decisions get made in the world, and um, and who can you trust." And uh, it's it's uh, it is it's uh, it's real easy to, to to underestimate the script. So yeah, I'm saying four and a half Tardis groans for the Sea Devils.
1: And you know what? I want to interject on what you just said. The, the reason that this show is still around in 2015 is because of that very reason. It's exactly. because it's very well written and very well you know acted and portrayed and all of that. That's why it's still around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yep. You got it. Oh, we've also agreed that there's going to be a new Sea Devils story, and it's going to be set on an oil rig. Exactly, exactly. and with a woman, with a strong woman in command. Yeah.
0: All right, so um, Mr. Moffat, you heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> That's right. Make it. Make don't it. Don't lie to us. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: All right. Well, I, I enjoyed it. So um, the the DVD, I, I don't know if it's available individually, but I know um, there was a um, a set that had uh, the Silurians or the Sea Devils and I think Warriors of the Deep available um, as a, as a combo as a, like a three pack. So um, you can get the, the DVD of it or um, I, I don't know if it's uh, available on streaming services. Uh, it might be.
1: It is. Uh, it is available on, uh, it is not available on Netflix. It is available by DVD on Netflix, but I watched it through Hulu plus, um, Mm -hmm. You know, all six episodes, so they're available.
0: Very good. So, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, or if you've if you have seen it but it's been a while, as it was in my case, um, definitely um, you know revisit it. It's um, interesting. And as I said, we reviewed um, uh, the Solarians. I think it was coincidentally, you know, it was uh, I I think twenty twelve, January. Uh, of 2012, so you know we didn't plan. It was just worked out this way that um, I think it was um, almost exactly the same time we were, we were recording um, three years ago. It might, even to the day, yeah. it could be. I, I, I mean, I have. Wow, <laughs> it's very bizarre, but it's just uh, one of those uh, quirky dinks.
2: <laughs> Maybe the three of us can get together and do Warriors of the Deep.
0: Uh, <laughs> but let's not do it in three years. Let's do it the sooner. The there you go. <laughs> We're gonna get to your feedback in just a moment, but I'd like to remind you on how you can help support this show and keep it going by becoming a Podchuck supporting subscriber for a few dollars each month. It really makes a difference. It helps keep the lights on and keeps the show going. And we'd like to do something in return for you. We'll give you, we'll bump you up in the queue in our live shows. Uh, We have these extra episodes which we haven't done in a while, which we're we're bound to do um, very soon but uh, it's not really for the extras that you're doing it you're really doing it to really help the show and keep it going and patreon supporting subscribers is the mainstay on how we can keep the show going and get it out on a regular basis so if you'd like to become a supporting subscriber um you don't have to be you know you can continue to listen to the show and enjoying it without it we can we enjoy just your support in um you know in in listening and and being there as well um, and, and participating whenever you can. We always enjoy participation. And like I said, we're getting to your feedback in just a moment. Uh, but you can um, be that much more important to us um, by us helping support the show and keep us going. We're in our 10th year right now. We're still, this year is our 10th anniversary year. And you, we, we wouldn't be able to be here where we are today if it wasn't for our supporting subscribers. So uh, again... Um, you're not obligated to, but if you'd like to, we do appreciate those that do lend some support so we can keep the show going. So to d- become a pachak supporting subscriber, you can go to our website, either pachak.net or ArtTrap.com, and you'll find banners on the top there on how to become a supporting subscriber. You can click on that, and you can become one today. And like I said, we should be getting some extra content out um, whenever we can. We're, we're just... Focusing on getting, getting the regular episodes out at the moment, but um, you know, with your support, we'll get some more e- um, extra content out. We got some interviews lined up for you for our next episode. So, um, so again, for all those that have been supporting the show, um, especially you know during the the crisis that was uh, Superstorm Sandy, that they continued supporting the show even while we are on hiatus. Uh, I really appreciate that, and hats off to all of you that that have um you know that the head of lend support to the show that way so uh once again go to pachak.net or arttrap.com and click on the links there to become a supporting subscriber it really does make a huge difference thank you so much let's see we have a couple of feedbacks i think we, we should tackle one of them as always you can send us feedback at um you can go to pachak.net our website and there's a feedback tab there and you can click on that and that will tell you how to Send us feedback. This, this is an audio podcast, so we always prefer audio feedback. But we'll take whatever feedback you have. And um, um, but I always emphasize, you know, that to keep it concise and short as possible, um, you know. And so, if you want to call the public call box, the number is um, it's. Whoops, it's uh, I just lost it. Here it is. It's two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. But always go to our website and double-check to make sure that that's, that's the current number because sometimes it does change. Um, or you can send feedback at feedback at net, And that's where this feedback comes from, from Tony. Uh, he writes, Hi, Lewis and Dave. Now, Dave isn't here, but I'm sure he appreciates it just the same. <laughs> uh, I saw a new movie, um, Pat, um, Paddington, over the weekend with my children and was surprised to see Peter Capaldi starring as an eccentric neighbor, Mr. Curry. Uh, taking place in England, his first or second scene shows him knocking on a window on a, of a telephone booth—a homage to Doctor Who police box. Possibly, it was a treat and a pleasure. Uh, it was it was a treat and a pleasant surprise to see him in this movie. Keep up the great work, on Pachak, uh, Tony um, Adrade, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Tony, I I didn't see the movie, but I did see. Um, I I, I didn't see a a I saw a clip from it, but not this particular scene. Uh, But to my understanding, and I I could be wrong, I I don't know if he shot this, if this was, to my understanding, I think this was made before his casting on Doctor Who, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not sure, but it's, uh, if not, maybe it is, uh, you know, or or maybe it was taking place as it was happening. Maybe, maybe, when they were shooting it maybe it might have been something they might have just added in as a um, as a nod to it knowing that he was going to play the Doctor I don't know but uh, to my my first impulse was that the, um I haven't seen the movie you know and um, but I think it was done before his involvement with Doctor Who but I could be wrong with that according to the Internet Movie Database it is a 2014 movie but uh, production wise it Oh, Jeffrey Palmer's in it. Um, <laughs> he's been in Doctor Who, too. I was just looking to see um, if it gives me any insight on when it was shot. I don't know. Well, if anyone else has any any insight on that, please uh, please let us know. Have, have either one of you seen the movie? I, I, I've i heard of it, but mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it.
1: I've seen it advertised, but I haven't seen it.
0: Well, you know what? I might be... Con- I might be be confusing it with another movie because this this looks like an animated movie. Am I am I looking
1: at the right one? No, now the one I believe is a live action. Yeah, it's a live action one. Okay. A, yeah.
0: All right. This is one with a bear. No, it is. It's it's okay. He plays Mr. Curry in this. Oh,
2: there he is. Yeah.
0: With, with this um, a little bear will make a big splash from the producers mm-hmm. of Harry Potter.
2: Okay, I was thinking of another yeah. movie. Yeah, this is... Yeah, it's Padding, Paddington Bear. Wow, I'm just scrolling through the cast of uh, Paddington, and it's full of Doctor Who alums. There's uh, Imelda Staunton and Hugh Bonneville and yeah. Michael Gambon. And, wow. uh And Peter Capaldi, of course. And, uh, and there's Jim Broadbent, who was very briefly the Doctor, if, if you count uh, in case of the fatal death.
0: I, okay, I think the movie that I was originally thinking of was is called The Fifth Estate, which is a live-action movie with uh, a Car- uh, Peter Capaldi. Which, like I said, that, that's a 2013 movie, and I think that was done. That might have been done before his casting. You know, actually, it might have been shot actually before his casting. I'm not sure. It came out, um, though, it did come out October 2013. So maybe I don't know, but I think that's the movie I was thinking of when when I when I originally read that feedback. So my my bad, my apologies.
1: But now we know.
0: Now we know. Well, I, that's I right. We've I treated our listeners to
2: the sound of three men typing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> it's always weird if you're doing a Google search and you see yourself, something that you posted in, in, in the results there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why am I there? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that's bound to happen, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, um, yeah. I, if you're curious, it was just, I, I posted something about when, um, when the new doctor was revealed. Well, we'll have to have Peter on the show and we'll ask him.
2: There you go. There we that's go. the only way.
0: That's the only way to be, to know for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to round out this episode of Dr. Ponchak. I want to thank you both um, for helping me out. And it's been a pleasure doing the show with both of you. It's, um, you know, <laughs>
1: I think the pleasure is all ours. Yes,
2: thank you for inviting us,
1: Louis.
0: Oh, it's a it's, been it's a boyhood dream come true.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: Dave said that he'll be back. He just, um, as always, Dave. Anyone that listens to the show regularly knows that he does the Colton Collective, and he does it. He also does a wine podcast too. So um, he was just um, kind of busy, and he just needed a little breather. So, but. Um, He's uh, promised to return, so um, for for those that are missing Dave, have no fear. Dave will be back, and um, and um, and both of you are welcome to come back as well. So, um, you know, s- schedule permitting, we'll have you both on again, and, um, you know, maybe we'll be reviewing Worries of the Deep. Who knows?
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> maybe three Oops. years from now. Well, no, <laughs> no. sooner
0: than that. Sooner than that. Who? Who Who knows? knows. <laughs> All right, so uh, until then, cheers, everyone.
2: Cheers. Cheers.
0: You have been listening to Dr. Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan run Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the PodChock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Doctor, do you think you're doing the right thing? I'm
5: doing the only thing possible, Captain Hart, and we're to avoid a major conflict. Suppose they won't listen.
1: Doctor! Ice!
6: All
5: right, Captain Hart. Get these two out of here.